Good morning, everyone. Very warm welcome to you on this gorgeous last day of spring before summer starts. Let me read to you from Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all God. I invite you to stand. If you're at home watching, I invite you to be in a posture ready to sing. And let's sing and rejoice. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. Welcome to those watching online. I know that uh, numbers of you can't be here today because of uh, ill health or just not able to get to church these days. We are with you and it's great to have you joining us. And in particular, it's worth noting that two of those watching online are Andrew and Rhonda Graham. Uh, both of them came down with COVID this week. Uh, let me say they're doing a lot better than what I was. And um, they're hoping to be back very shortly in terms of uh, involvement in the parish. 
To those who are here in the building, you, a warm welcome to you as well. My name is Bruce Clark, the Senior Minister, and it's great to have you join us this Sunday. We're going to stand now and together declare our faith in the God who's revealed himself to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So let me uh, encourage you to be on your feet and let's say together and affirm our faith in our wonderful God whom we know personally. Together, what is it we believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Now one of the highlights of the year for eight o'clock has always been the choral Advent service. Uh, now, technically, Advent actually starts today. We're four Sundays out from Christmas. Uh, Christmas is on a Sunday, uh, unusually. Uh, next Sunday, though, is when we have our choral Advent service. It's the first Sunday in December. I think it's the 4th of December, and it's always a great occasion with uh, some wonderful songs and music. So if I can encourage you to be here, uh, but also to think about who you might bring along, because it is a great time of celebration of the great news that God, Emmanuel, has come amongst us. Now, in terms of other news, let's have a look at the screen, and we'll hear Jamie in terms of what's happening from church news. And it's my pleasure to give to us today our church news. If you've been here with us over the last few weeks, you would have heard us talking about the next onboard course. We run these once a term for anyone interested in finding out more about us as a church. It's a great way for you to come to take the next step if you're considering making St Matt's your spiritual home. Our last one for the year is running tomorrow night from 7.45pm in the Darley Smith building. So if you're new or newish around here and you're keen to take the next step with us, come along tomorrow night. It'll be your last chance for the year. I hope you can come along. You won't want to miss out. If you are keen, one of the ways that you can let us know is by filling out one of these connection cards. The easiest way to do that is finding one of these under the seat in front of you at church. You give it a scan and let us know if you can come along. Also, if today is your first time with us, welcome. It is so good having you here with us. We'd love you to take a moment to fill out one of these cards as well. And if you're a regular, you can use one of these cards to ask any questions, offer feedback or request prayer. That's it from me today. Hope you have a wonderful week. See ya. One other thing to mention, it is celebration of the Lord's Supper today. If you haven't got your communion pack at some point before we do that after the sermon, you will need to get one. Um, so I'll, I'm sure we will hand them out uh, closer to the time in terms of when we get to there if you haven't got one. 
I want to transition to get us to think about our contributing member spot today, which is to do with uh, mission partner support. We heard last week about our new mission partners that we are putting on board, uh, Marty Ford and Jenny. Uh, we've got Naomi, and we're also looking at the partnership with a new church plant in one of the great need areas in Greater Western Sydney, Box Hill. Today I want to look backwards and just think about some of our existing church partners, um, and we pray for them every week. And you might wonder what actually happens on the ground. Uh, I give money. Uh, is it actually being well used? And let me say, that's a good question to ask. And I want to give you two updates of two partners who we don't hear from a lot, but are doing incredible work. Uh, the first one is the Heal Africa Medical Mission in the DR Congo, which is one of the poorest areas in the world. And the DR Congo, uh, is the place where Heal Africa set up basically a medical Christian hospital. And in the past, St Matthews has sponsored the training of two Christian orthopaedic surgeons who are currently ministering there. They do an incredible work. The ministry has expanded since that time to uh, incorporate chaplaincy work. And so what they're doing is medical care. Uh, and on the back of that, they're doing pastoral help for people who come. And then adding to that, is the gospel that they bring to all who come in their orbit. And they are with the most vulnerable communities ministering to the poorest of the poor. And they provide essential medical care that pretty much they can't afford. There's a mercy fund, uh, which we contribute to as well, uh, which helps pay for many of these medical operations that families could never afford for themselves. It's an incredible ministry. And just to give you a feel for what happened last year, uh, they wrote to us and said, this is what your contribution as a church has helped achieve in the last 12 months and we give $20,000 to them and so the first number there is um, in 2022 because of St Matthew's help uh, 95 desperate families receive support through their community chaplaincy work. Um, secondly uh, they perform 262 home and community-based visits to provide counselling and family support and they've got chaplains who go out in the community they bring both practical help and the message of the gospel. It's a wonderful opportunity that they have and they are taking it with both hands. And then lastly, um, they perform 36 medical um, procedures, operations, uh, because of our support. Now, I think they do more than that, but 38 because of a result of the sponsorship we give. And if you read my email, you would have seen a beautiful story about one of these patients. Uh, his name is Benny, and uh, basically his father could not afford the medical treatment. Uh, if this child had been born in Australia, they would have picked up the um, abnorm abnormality uh, at childbirth or even before that uh, with ultrasounds, but that was not the case in the DR Congo. And you can just see there physically uh, the deformity with his leg. His father thought that he would end up going to jail because he would probably have to steal to get the money to pay for the operation. And because of the Mercy Fund which we support, it was all paid for. And he is literally about to go and have the operation and uh, the belief is that once that is done, he'll be running around like any other normal kid. And I look at that photo, and that's just one picture of the many people that Heal Africa are helping in one of the poorest countries in the world. And they're bringing practically the love of God along with the message of the gospel. And I just think what a wonderful mission partner to be working with and supporting and what's been incredible is seeing the way that ministry has continued to expand and grow and impact 
in what is one of the great needy regions of the world. And I thought to myself, seriously, why wouldn't I want to give to that mission? And that's just one of our partners. Um, another one, uh, which is, if I can say, happening behind the scenes. And so it doesn't kind of have the kind of the, the, the big news ticket items that you might expect or hope for, but in other ways is very profound in terms of what's happening. And Dave and uh, Michelle used to be part of here at St Matthews at five o'clock. Uh, they've moved up to the central coast. They had returned from the field in Chile where they were working as missionaries and they're now continuing to work with SIM who went out with them. And he has the role as the New South Wales and ACT mobilisation, uh, mission mobilisation coordinator. And I said to him, look, just give me some numbers about some of the key things that have happened for you this year, uh, this past 12 months, David. And here's just a number of numbers uh, to give you a feel for what David has done. Uh, he occasionally speaks at conferences for mission in terms of promoting mission uh, for global work. He's spoken four times, about once a term. Most of his work, though, is behind the scenes, both supporting missionaries in the field and mobilising those to go out. And there's 65 people that he is overseeing the support for, which is an incredible, important operation uh, to perform because the missionaries in the field, when they need help, you absolutely need to bring it to them. But he also is sending out missionaries every year and he's got three short-term and eight long-term missionaries that have just gone out this past year. And then he's got 13 in the pipeline who are hopefully going out in the next year or two. And that, of course, continues on. And those numbers tell you that this one guy, along with Michelle, are having a significant impact in terms of seeing the gospel go out in a global way. And I'm delighted that we can support David. I think he's doing a fantastic job. And uh, he's another one of our great mission partners. And I just bring you those two stories to encourage you as you think about what you can contribute because the money we give actually does make a difference. And it's making a difference in all sorts of places around the world. And that's just two little snapshots to encourage you. And so if I can just remind you, we're trying to raise 80,000 for our existing partners. 30,000 for new, and we have some other exciting projects on the go. Now that we're on the other side of COVID, the building project, we want to build our partners up again, and we're allocating another 30,000, which is 140. I know in the current economic climate, that's a bit of a stretch, but I thought we need to have a goal that will stretch us, and I encourage you to give. And if I can uh, just ask you, if you've got your brochure, you might have already had one at home, and you don't need a second, but others who weren't here last week, hopefully you got one when you came in the door. Um, you can fill that card in and place it in the box at the back as you exit, or you can bring it back next week, you can bring it into the office, or you can simply go on the website to the Give page, and all the details are there for either credit card or direct debit, and just market mission. And we'll know exactly where it's to go, not St Matthews, but out to our wonderful mission partners. That's it from me in terms of thinking about uh, our mission support. We're now going to pray, uh, including for Heal Africa. And then Peggy, welcome back. Uh, she's been overseeing relatives in uh, the UK. He's going to come read the Bible. And then Scott's going to continue the journey through the Sermon on the Mount. But let's pray now. Heavenly Father, quieten our minds and still our hearts as we come to you. Our loving creator and redeemer. We come to you seeking renewal, wisdom and strength to bring glory and honour to you. In your mercy, hear our prayers. Dear Lord, we pray this week for people in Indonesia who've been so badly affected by landslides following the earthquake this week. 
And we ask that in this time of despair and suffering, as families grieve and struggle to meet basic needs, that your love and comfort would pour out across that region and bless them with hope. We do pray particularly for Christians that are there, that you would protect them, but also enable them to be a bright shining light of love and hope in the gospel as they reach out to others. And as you tell us in Isaiah chapter 41, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. May they know this truth, Lord. We bring also before you today our mission partners, Heal Africa. And we pray particularly with the news from them that there's been a resurgence of attacks by the M23 rebels around Goba and there are dangers to the Heal Africa ministry. We pray for diplomatic tensions with Rwanda to ease, to avoid escalation of the fighting. We pray for the tens of thousands of people who've been displaced, struggling to access basic shelter, food and clean water. May you be with them. We pray that important transport routes would reopen and that the imminent food crisis would be avoided. We pray also for the local families that are feeling the financial strain caused by increased prices for most goods and services. But lastly, we thank you for Heal Africa and we pray that you keep this ministry safe and enable them to continue to minister your hope and love in practical ways, as well as share the gospel with those they minister to. Here in Manly, Father, we pray for the students, teachers and families of Manly West Public School who've been impacted by the accident there this week. And we pray for a full recovery for those who were injured, particularly those two children. And we ask for wisdom and patience as the full investigation of what happened is undertaken. For us here at St Matthews, we pray for comfort and healing for our members who are struggling with health issues, whether through illness, accident, mental health or long COVID struggles. Please bless them with complete peace, even though the health outcomes may not be clear. We pray that your spirit will work powerfully to uplift and protect each person as they face difficult circumstances. And lastly, Lord, I do pray, Lord, as we consider our giving, both to church and to mission partners, that you would enable us to be generous and to trust in you at this time. Thank you for making yourself known to us, showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. We ask you now to teach us through your word so that we may be ready to serve you for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to sing and then hear the Bible read from Peggy.
chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, and it can be found on page 971 in the Church Bibles. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away, store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its trouble of its own. Here ends the reading. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be together. Uh, if you could keep your Bibles open to uh, Matthew chapter 6, that would be great. And a special hello to those of you who are watching online. I'm going to pray, then we'll get underway. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. Let them speak to us right into our hearts and help us to change in response. Amen. Amen. Friends, we are in the midst of what has been described as an anxiety epidemic. In 2014, the phrase, what is anxiety, entered Google's top 10 kind of what is dot 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 search phrases for the very first time. And now, some eight years later, one in nine people will experience a diagnosable anxiety disorder in any one year. That's over seven million people in the UK, nearly 40 million people in the US, close to three million Aussies, and about 65 members of St. Matthew's Manly on average. A bloke called Dr. Graham Davies, the Emeritus Professor of the University of Sussex, wrote a book called The Anxiety Epidemic. He quotes uh, the New York Times, which says, the silent epidemic, that's anxiety, has eclipsed the black dog of depression as the major mental health problem worldwide. It's an epidemic. So it seems like anxiety is on the rise. Many researchers point to the combination of social media and the internet and smartphones as being particularly toxic for Generation Z folks. That's our young people. Pray for them. 
And if you look at the charts, right, you can detect a growing rise in anxiety from 2007 when um, the iPhone was first released. But the real spike or kind of cliff came in 2012 when the proportion of people who owned one of these smartphones tipped over 50%. Do you know there is now a thing called smartphone separation anxiety? Right, we love our devices to death, it almost seems. Of course, anxiety has always been around, hasn't it? Um, my grandmother was a particularly anxious lady. She lived till she was 93, but she thought she was about to die for the last 60 years of her life, I reckon. She's just anxious about everything. And I recall her telling me about the juices that she was blending in her late 80s. It was carrots and celery and ginger. It sounded awful to prolong a life that really she was afraid to live. I also recall thinking that when I'm 88, I plan to put donuts and ice cream and chocolate in the blender and at least have some fun. But um, truth is, I've got anxieties of my own. And uh, close to the top of the list is money. And it's been the habit in my household that a week after the Reserve Bank lifts interest rates, you get a letter from the bank. I don't even need to open that letter to know what it says. The monthly repayments just keep heading north and it's punishing, even if you've allowed buffer. And you combine that with the rising costs of living, of food and petrol and schooling and insurance, it's a real pressure point. You know, especially with three sons. And, um, you know, I was, <laughs> my notes have got a, a silly joke about working out which one to kind of sell to make up for the rest. Um, and, but then I heard last night that in Afghanistan, that's actually what people are doing. Um, they've been forced to that point. And so into all these scenarios, Jesus speaks in his magnificently but inconvenient Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about your life. Well, why? Why should we not worry? How should we not worry? What should we do instead? They're the questions before us today. Well, friends, I plan to structure things by firstly looking at the do not worry part, that's the main thing, and then by looking um, more briefly at the seek first the kingdom of God part, and then grounding with some application for us today. So firstly, do not worry about your life. What does Jesus really mean by that phrase? And I actually think it helps by working out what he's not saying. Just as the passage we looked at last week about storing up wealth isn't a crack against the wise saving of money and preparing for future living needs, this passage is not an outright prohibition about forward planning. Right? He's not telling us to be kind of those happy, lackadaisical people who never have a worry in the world. I mean, that usually means they never take responsibility for themselves and they do nothing substantial with their lives and they contribute nothing to the greater good. I mean, those sorts of folks might seem nice and carefree, but it's often because they're a burden to other people. He's not talking about that. And he's obviously not talking about being kind of carefree and unconcerned about the sin in our own lives or about the growing estrangement from God of so many in our culture and society. He's not telling us not to care about our own broken relationships or our failing health or even global issues like climate change or the threat of war. All these things are worthy of our concern and our action, where we can take action. But he is telling us not to worry about the daily necessities of life and to trust that God will provide for us. Well, let's pick it up in verse 25. Let's read it together in your own Bibles there. Therefore I tell you, says Jesus, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, 
drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Such familiar words, aren't they? Um, but you have to ask the question uh, from the outset, what is the therefore in verse 25, therefore? Because Jesus clearly sees a connection between what we're looking at today and what we looked at last week. And I guess partly he's acknowledging that when you have less stuff, which we thought about last week, then the less our possessions occupy the thoughts of our minds, as well as the devotion of our hearts. If you've got less stuff, you, you devote less energy, less time, less money in acquiring them, and then less time and money maintaining them, insuring them, and so on. So less stuff, less stuff to worry about. More financial, more emotional bandwidth to love God and others. But I wonder if he's anticipating an unspoken objection in his audience. Sure, there would be rich people in Jesus' day who would genuinely need to guard their lives against the storing up of earthly treasures. But much more common in Jesus' day would be the average Joes who struggled to put enough food on the table for themselves and their dependents. Because you think there was no social security net back then. Uh, in their agrarian economy, they were at the mercy of the elements. And for many, it was a subsistence existence. Their problem, it seems to me, was the opposite of our problem, right? We have too many calories. It makes us fat. They struggle to get enough calories into them to keep them alive. So you can understand why they might worry and why they might object in their minds. And so Jesus is really onto something here. It seems that money and wealth can become idols in different ways. Obviously, the storing up of wealth and hoarding of material possessions where you don't give much away. But on the flip side, if you don't have lots of wealth and you worry about it incessantly, it's still an idol, isn't it? If you got it, you can be greedy. And if you don't, you can be overly anxious. But either way, you are looking to money to be your functional Messiah. Either way, you're putting your trust in something other than God. Either way, you need to be driven by faith instead so you look carefully you can see there's a real connection between those two passages last week and today but there's also a very very good reason not to worry about your daily needs what you will eat and drink and wear and the, and the predominant reason is that god knows he knows what you need and he will supply your life is more than food your body is more than clothes you're worth more than birds he knows what you need, and he will supply. I'm afraid to say that as I've gotten older, I've appreciated birds more. I used to rip into bird watchers. I thought they were such nerds. Um, but now, e even I think that birds are cool. And you know, um, you, you often have that kind of conversation starter, sharing question, if you could be any animal, you know, what would you be? And everyone says, oh, I'd be a dolphin or, you know, microbial bacteria or something. I mean, no one says that. But um, I'd be a snowy owl. I mean, look, they are good-looking birds. Secondly, they're complete gangsters. Look at that in full flight. Thirdly, they've got a sense of humour. So uh, 
I would be a snowy owl. And look, I, I reckon the, um, the kookaburra is the Australian equivalent of the snowy owl. Absolute street thugs of birds, right? They just sit there on the tree or on the fence. There's no other birds a game to annoy it. They just look at other birds with intimidation, as if to say, you come near me? You even look at me in the wrong way? Beck your eyes out before you even know about it? And I'll enjoy the doing of it. And then what about that complete maniacal sociopathic laugh? Aren't they the best? <laughs> Great. But um, even these absolute street thugs of the Australian bird landscape, uh, I tell you what, they're not. They're not stressed. And they're not skinny. They just know there's food around, right? Whether it's worms in the ground, or whether it's your sausage on the barbecue. And Jesus says, it's not just the law of the jungle, friends. Worms and sausages are the way that God feeds them. But God cares way more about you than the kookaburra. Jesus plays the same game with uh, clothes and flowers. It needs no further elaboration other than to refer to his main point there in verse 30. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He knows our daily necessities. The promises of these verses is that he will supply them, which just means we don't have to worry about them day to day. Now, you and I don't believe this, of course. We don't. We don't really believe that God is involved or that he's able to genuinely make a difference. What does Jesus say in these verses? He says, look. Look at the birds. It's actually an instruction. In God's economy, the way he's ordered the world, both the worm in the ground, the cheeky sausage from the barbecue, they are the ways he ensures Mr. Kookaburra gets his meal. Right? In God's economy, the way he's ordered the world, our hard work, the hard work and generosity of others, or even a more miraculous provision, are each ways that he ensures we get fed as well. And that is the main positive reason this passage gives us for not worrying about our daily necessity. God knows your need. He'll send your feed. Right? He knows us and he clothes us. Therefore, says Jesus, do not worry. It's wonderfully, positively reassuring. But he also includes two negative reasons why worrying is actually a faithless response among his people. The first is just a logical one there in verse 27. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I mean, if you want to juice carrots and celery, that might add an hour to your life. <laughs> be a miserable hour. But, but worrying, what a complete waste of time and emotion. It contributes nothing towards a solution. It just makes you feel worse. The second negative reason is there in verse 32, but let's pick, up, pick it up to verse 31. So do not worry. Saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Okay, so you can see there's a neat little restatement there of the overall principle, as we've already discussed. Don't worry about your daily needs your heavenly father knows you need them but within that restatement there's a further reason not to worry the pagans run after all these things he's not cracking them he's just saying that that's what people of the world do worrying incessantly about daily needs i mean you folks you can you can picture someone frantically 
running through Warringah Mall in the lead up to Christmas, can't you? That's kind of the picture that characterises the citizens of the world, but citizens of the upside-down kingdom of heaven live differently, distinctively. Because as children of a heavenly father like ours, we've got every reason to. And friends, I really hope you find the freedom that comes from trusting God in this wonderful way. Just two quick further observations before we move on to the second much shorter section. First is Jesus is not promising luxury goods here. Have a look. He references food, drink, clothing. You remember in the Lord's Prayer, which is in the same chapter, we pray, give us today our daily bread. Not choicest meats. It's not the, the, the greatest wine. It's not brand name clothes, much less a private home on the northern beaches or a European car or a overseas holidays, which aren't necessarily wrong, but they're definitely not promised. So uh, we might need to reconsider our definition of needs and wants. And the other thing to quickly notice is just a very kind touch from Jesus. He's so kind. In verse 34, you see, he returns to the language of worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. You see, it's got the same start as the opening verse, do not worry, but it says something almost the opposite, almost allowing us to worry a little about today. It's just a, a, a very gentle pastoral word after some very inconvenient teaching, advising us not to get ahead of ourselves. Just knows that every day has got difficulty for us. And he's saying, don't, just worry about the worries of today. And don't get worked up about the worries of tomorrow. Remember that same line from the Lord's Prayer. Give us today, just this day, our daily bread. It seems like in God's economy, a day is the unit of time that counts. So take this advice on board. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about tomorrow. Well, the second shorter part of today comes from verse 33. And actually, it's just verse 33. So let's read it together. But, here's the alternative. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So instead of worrying, what are we meant to do? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that idea of seeking first, it, it contains the kind of the, the concept of an ongoing quest. You're on a journey. It's the sort of thing that drives those horrific Lord of the Rings films that just go on and on and on, as far as I can tell. I know some people love them, I could never get into them because the quest just seemed to go on forever. I only watched the first one uh, in the Swiss Cottage Odeon Theatre in North London and about two and a half hours in, people could hear me muttering to myself, can someone please kill the hobbits? This is intolerable. <laughs> Clearly not a fan. Kill the hairy little men. <laughs> and I thought I must be missing something, right? Because millions of people love these films and love these books. Uh, and I just wonder if it really is the nobility of the quest. Do you know what? There is no more noble a quest than seeking the kingdom of God. Not um, completely obvious what that means, though, is it? And, and what does seeking his righteousness further add? And how do we seek his kingdom and his righteousness? Righteousness. 
take a deep breath, folks. Well, mostly by putting into practice the words of the Sermon on the Mount so far, by loving our enemies rather than retaliating, by giving to those who need rather than hoarding wealth for ourselves, by pursuing holiness in our marriages and our sexual ethic, by trying to reconcile rather than stewing in bitterness and anger, by telling the, the plain truth, by turning from religious hypocrisy and playing to an audience of just one, God himself, by admitting our spiritual poverty and thirsting to live like Jesus, by lamenting our own sin and weakness and hungering for holiness, by copying persecution and praying for our persecutors, by wanting to see God's name honored in our actions and in the witness of our church, by desiring to see his gospel spread in the Northern Territory and across Asia and across our city and our globe to deeply impact the lives of many, by directing our money to these purposes, by spending our energy leading kids' church or helping on the data desk, by being more um, protective of Jesus' reputation than our own in our conversations and our online contributions. And my goodness, when you have to worry about all of that, there's not heaps of space left to worry about our daily needs, which is great, you know, because the outstanding promise which attaches to a life lived in pursuit of the kingdom of God is that God will look after little stuff on our behalf. What does it say? All these things will be given to us as well if our driving ambition is his promotion and glory. Now, of course, we might need some specific pointers about how to do this do not worry thing because somehow we've got to put some muscle around a very abstract question of whether we trust God to provide for our needs. I mean, how do we take something as kind of intangible as trusting in God's provision and make it tangible, real? Well, I've got a few thoughts that are by no means revolutionary or exhaustive, but maybe today is a day where you can decide to put one of them into practice. The first way, I think, not to worry about your life, what you eat, drink, wear and live, is to pray. Now, not revolutionary, right? We've already noted in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, how can you entrust yourself to God's provision if you never raise your requests to Him in prayer? I mean, I, He knows our needs, but He still likes to hear our prayers because it's a relationship we're in with Him. It's not a legal contract. You might remember we considered a verse in 1 Peter 5 recently which says, Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You might also know Philippians 4.6. It's a great verse to memorize. When you're in a fix, remember Philippians 4.6. You'll know it. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what? And what? The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse starts in the very same place, doesn't it, with anxiety and worry and fear. But after presenting your request and thanksgiving to God, it ends with the transcendent peace of God. Doesn't that sound so wonderful? That guards our hearts and minds. So do not worry, pray to your provider and peace will follow. Another way to put into action the two imperatives in this passage, do not worry, seek first the kingdom, is to work hard at the work that God has 
for us. Many of us here are retired, that's okay. But it seems to me that if you work hard, you will very likely have less need to worry about your daily needs as you'll be able to provide for yourself. And even better, you will be part of the way that God will provide for the needs of brothers and sisters who are struggling in ways that you are not. A cheeky sausage at a barbecue is part of the way God provides for the kookaburra. The provision he blesses you with is part of the way that God provides for Christian brothers and sisters in all kinds of need. So don't worry, the waste of emotion. Work hard instead. And look, the final way for today, which you will not at all be surprised to hear me say, is to give money away. You won't do this if you're a citizen of the world, the kingdom of the world. You'd be way less inclined to give money away because you'll never know when you might need it to provide for your own needs. But if you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, then you have a heavenly father who already knows your needs, who values you more than the flowers and the birds, although, my goodness, they're handsomely provided for. And that means that you can give. And I think giving is one of those ways that you really make the intangibility of trusting God a very tangible thing. You will feel it, especially if you're doing it properly, by which I mean sacrificially, and you will feel blessed by it. For it is more blessed to give than to receive, isn't it? I mean, that's what Jesus tells us. And when you're, you're giving money away, you're not only putting flesh on that sort of intangibility of trusting God, you're contributing to the kingdom of God in a very real way. I mean, you, you're on that quest, the noblest quest of all. Your money can support a theological college in Singapore that trains godly men and women to spread the good news across Southeast Asia. How exciting is that? Your money will support Naomi in the Northern Territory or Neville Naden all across Australia or evangelism in Austria or an orthopedic hospital in the Congo like we've heard about today or translation work for Cambodia or gospel ministry right here at St. Matthew's on the Corso in Manly, the most walked upon stretch of pavement in the whole country. Pretty sure that's true. Hard to check that one. So don't worry, friends, pray. And don't worry, friends, work hard. And don't worry, friends, give. Give. We live uh, in an epidemic of anxiety. And I want to say, man, there is no shame in that. If that's something you experience, it's one in nine of us every year. But when it comes to our daily needs, what we eat and drink and wear and live, we have a Heavenly Father who knows us and clothes us, who loves us and feeds us, who invites us to replace our worry with a concern for His kingdom and righteousness, and who gives us a promise that what we need will be added unto us, as well as peace that passes human understanding. It's a good, good Father, and He presides over a magnificent kingdom that will last forever that is worthy of our trust, our prayers, our energy, and our money. And friends, that is our kingdom calling. And as I seek to live it in my life with all my heart, I also heartily commend it to you. Let's pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we love the idea of not worrying. 
So help us, instead of worrying, to seek first your kingdom in all those ways we've thought about this whole term and your righteousness. Help us to raise our concerns to you in prayer and experience peace in return. Help us to work hard and give generously so that we experience the blessing of being generous. And in all these things, may we bring honour and glory to your name and the name of your beautiful Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Friends, we're going to sing our final hymn now. I invite you to stand and sing heartily. Yeah.
We're now going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And if you have your little communion pack there, that'd be great. If you haven't got one, just put your hand up and the welcomers will bring one down to you. And then if you can just follow the lead of the sound that you're hearing and rip off the uh, plastic and then the foil, that would be terrific. So I'll just let you take that off now before I start. Well, brothers and sisters, we come to receive the Holy Communion of the body and blood of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. And we can only come because of his great love for us. For although we are completely undeserving of his love, yet in order to raise us from the darkness of death to everlasting life as God's sons and daughters, our Saviour Christ humbled himself to share our life and to die for us on the cross. In remembrance of his death and as a pledge of his love, he has instituted this holy sacrament which we are now to share. But those who would eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord must examine themselves and amend their lives. They must come with a penitent heart and with steadfast faith. And above all, they must give thanks to God for his great love towards us in the Lord Jesus. And so let's just have a moment before we confess our sins together I'll just give us a, a couple of moments to be quiet and then we'll say this prayer of confession that's on the screen together merciful father we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep we have followed too much the schemes and desires of our own hearts and have broken your holy laws we have left undone what we ought to have done, and we have done what we ought not to have done. Yet, good Lord, have mercy on us. Restore those who repent according to the promises declared to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant, merciful Father, for his sake, that from now on we may live godly and obedient lives to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Let me read to you some words of assurance for those who truly repent and seek the Lord. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus you have been set free from the law of sin and death. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, that in your love and mercy you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save us. And by this offering of himself once and for all time, Jesus made the perfect, complete sacrifice for the sins of the world, satisfying your just demands in full. And the Lord Jesus commanded us to remember his death until he's coming again. And so hear us, merciful Father, and grant that we who eat and drink this bread and wine may remember his death and share in his death in his body and blood. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread into his hands and he gave you thanks and he broke it. Then he gave to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same, in the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup in his hands and he gave his heavenly father thanks and he gave it to them saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let us take the bread and together let's eat and remember that Christ's body was given for us and be thankful. And let's take the cup and drink and remember that Christ's blood was shed for our sins and also be thankful. Well, let's finish with these words of thanksgiving that are on the screen. Lord and Heavenly Father, in your loving kindness, Accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Grant that by the merits and death of your Son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. With gratitude for all your mercies, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, send us out in the power of your Spirit, to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Well, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Morning tea is served. And I invite you to come on out and uh, have a cup of tea and continue the fellowship.
Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hello. How are you doing?